So today we are uh, starting a new series called Come Home. Let me just say, everybody's got a story about somebody running away. Anybody, especially like little kids, anybody's a little kid, you're, when you were a kid or maybe you have a kid that uh, threatened to run away before, anybody? So uh, let me just say, my, uh, my daughter, when she was five years old, yeah, she was, uh, she was rough at that age, let me just, I'm just kidding, but she... Uh, she was, you know, I wasn't, I was either delivering milk in that job or I was sleeping. I don't know. I had a crazy job at the time, but there was, uh, Pastor Colleen had something for her to do. I, we can't remember. I don't know the whole situation, but Rebecca was our strongest willed child and she didn't like it. She didn't want any of it. She's like, I'm running away at five years old. I'm out of here. There was some kind of injustice or whatever. And so she tells her mom, I'm, I'm running away. So Pastor Colleen, she's like, okay, you know, that makes me really sad. But if that's what you really want to do. So she helped her pack a bag. <laughs> and uh, there's a couple things she wanted to take. And she's like, no, no, we bought those. You don't get those. And uh, even, I mean, technically we bought everything she had, right? So, uh, but she helped her pack a bag. She went out the door, and she was going to run away. And she, Colleen kept an eye on her the whole time. She kind of walked down the sidewalk this way, uh, looking around, walked back the sidewalk this way, eventually kind of sat down on the curb and was just really upset. And what she would do, she kind of hit her leg, never, 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 didn't know what to do. So eventually, she came back to the door, and Colleen said she locked the door so she'd have to knock. She knocked at the door, tears are coming down her face like that, and she's like, How, what can I do for you? She goes, I want to come home. And uh, so naturally, she, she's like, oh, don't ever do this again. This, anyway, it, it was kind of a cute, kind of sad story at the same time, but uh, we all have that, right? Like uh, sometimes kids, how many of you know when kids are young, they just feel the injustice, and this phrase comes out of our mouth, that's not... Right, and what is the natural response to that? Life's not fair. I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? And the younger you learn that truth, the better off you're going to be. Uh, you know, sometimes you get, sometimes kids get punishment that they don't think they deserve. Uh, sometimes they don't get what they want. Like, how many of you have noticed on the grocery stores, they strategically place candy and things that kids want? Just so that they can scream while you're in line. And you don't, you know, there's meltdowns that happen at the checkout, and it's the grocery store's fault. That's all I got to say. So uh, anyway, all kinds of excuses people have, uh, but those are the cute ones, right, when the kids just, you know, and then they come back. But sadly, how many of you know, as we get older, as teenagers, there's a lot of teenagers that, that run away from God. And statistics, I looked it up, it says on the yearly average, anywhere from 1.6 to 2.8 million teenagers run away from home every year. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we know some of them run away because they're abused, whether sexually, physically, emotionally. That's, that's a real thing that's happening. But how many of you know there's also a big chunk of others that simply decided, I'm not following the rules here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I think Twisted Sister helped with that a little bit, saying, I'm not going to take it, right? Right, I know. My wife's like, oh, no, what are you bringing up that about? Uh, I have no idea. Anyway, Lord, help me. <laughs> but they just simply decide, you know what? My life is going to be better if I get away from here. 
I can make a better decision for my life. Think my friends, everything's going to be so much better. And what they don't realize is that life on the run is filled with mistakes, failures, and regrets. Is it not? Life, let me just say this. Life as a runaway is very dangerous. And uh, today, I don't want to really talk about childhood runaways, but I want to talk about people that have made the decision to run from their spiritual home, to run from God, to run from their faith, their family, and all that they know. That's on a, that happens on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, a couple months ago, I got this book that came out. It's called The Great Dechurching. And inside this book, it said over the last 30 years, there have been about 40 million people in the United States that, that believe in God, but they've disconnected. They're like, I don't need this anymore. I'm just doing it on my own. All kinds of reasons that are there. And, and so I'm going to kind of touch a little bit on some of the stories that were in that, this book. Uh, but I want to get to this, what we're going to talk about today, how Jesus used parables, stories to teach life lessons, didn't he? And in Luke chapter 15, he actually teaches three stories, tells three parables. And, and the reference is that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were criticizing Jesus for hanging out with sinners. Those ungodly people, he would actually eat dinner with them. So Jesus doesn't answer them directly. I love how he does it. He just simply tells a story. And in the Luke 15, you can read about the shepherds who were searching for the lost sheep. Uh, they let, he left the 99 to go find who? The one. Uh, the woman who had 10 coins, lost one, searched her home until she found it. That's what I was sitting there thinking about this this morning. God is on the search for us. We just sang that song, Reckless Love. There's no wall he won't kick down, right? God is after us. You realize that. And, and we're running, and more God's after us, the more we want to run, and until you finally surrender. So that's what these stories are talking about, but the most famous one is the prodigal son. And uh, let me just, uh, as we're going to get into it, and I'm going to look at it a little bit different than I've even shared it before. Uh, but in that story, I think most of us realize the father represents God, and the sons represent any of us. Anyone that runs away from him. And so I'm going to share some of these stories. Some of them uh, are truth-like, like, like it may not be the exact same facts, but they've been repeated over and over again. How many of you know? Like, like same story. There's nothing new under the sun. So when you're going to hear it, you're going to be able to identify these things have happened over and over again. So I'm just going to jump right in. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11 and 12. It says, to illustrate the point further... And again, the, the point was them criticizing him for eating with sinners, hanging out with regular people. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of, my, of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to this and divided his wealth between who? Did you ever notice the plural on that before? I don't think, I mean, it was like the, 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 old, the older son didn't even ask for his, but he ended up getting his inheritance as well. And, and I just, before I get into that, I want to really focus on that because as a son of the king, how many of you know our inheritance isn't somewhere in the future? Amen. You realize that we get to live our inheritance right now. We have all of the blessings, all of the things that God wants to give us right now. And sometimes we're like, well, someday, someday soon I'll get that. No, God offers you joy, peace, love, patience, all of the things that our world is looking for right now. Amen? 
So that's just a little side note. It's not really part of the message, but I thought it had a little meat on it. Amen. Uh, but here's the thing. Typically, you don't get your inheritance until somebody dies. And, and let me just think, Jesus, guess what? Jesus died and he rose again. That means we get to walk in that inheritance. Amen. But in the story that Jesus is telling, that's not how things were supposed to be. And the younger son, we don't have a name for him. Jesus didn't give him a name, uh, but I'm going to call him Fred today. If there's anybody here and your name is Fred, I'm not talking about you. Uh, I'm just giving this guy a name. And he didn't want to wait. He wanted his money, and he wanted it when? He wanted it right now. Like I said, that was an insult to the father. Uh, that's not how things are supposed to go. So he gets it. Uh, verse 13, it says, A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. Let me just say this. Fred abandoned, he wasn't going sightseeing. He wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to go check out these sites. I'm going to do that. No, he was leaving everything that he had been taught, everything that his father had stood for, and he ran. Like I said, the father represents God. Fred, like I said, is you and I when we run. So remember that. Let me just say this, that Pastor Colleen and I, we've been doing ministry, pastoring for 30 years. That's a long time. Over all of those years, let me tell you, there's been uh, hundreds, thousands of people that we have ministered to in that amount of time. And because we have social media now, how many of you know we have friends of people that we've ministered to in Colorado, uh, in Texas, up in Chico, uh, and there's a lot of people that that we see in their life, and they're now running from God. Kids that were raised up in kids' church, teens that were in our youth group, adults. It's not an age limit. We, we know some senior adults that God has done a miracle in their life, and they're now running. And let me just say, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking to see. They ran from their family, church, God, everything. And listen, I don't know all the reasons people run, but I've heard a lot of stories. How many of you have heard a lot of stories? And uh, I want to cover just a few of them. And if you have your notes in your sermon, you can fill these in. But uh, why some people run? Number one, God's boundaries feel restriction, feel like restriction and punishment. How many of you know some people, they don't want the boundaries? They don't like the word of God. They don't like the things that God says. And, and they'll even abandon relationships because those relationships represent those rules, right? I mean, like, sounds so bad. They want to do things their way. How many of you remember the song, I Did It? There, oh, man, that was great, JR. I might have you come up and sing that. So uh, uh, let me just say, doing things your way is not God's way, right? You can't do it your way and God's way at the same time. Somebody's got to give up. And let me just say, when you do things your way, how many of you know it usually doesn't work out so well? And that's why some people believe they want to do it their way. That's how they are. Other people run because they want to prove I don't need anyone or anything. I got this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. How many of you know that's pride? That's what happens when they're pride. And, and, you know, we want, and I talked a little bit about this last week if you were here. We want to be so independent, don't we? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. But let me just say this. The older I get, the more I realize I am dependent, right? I start having to depend on other people. Man, things that I used to be able to lift by myself, how many of you know sometimes now I'm like, hey, listen, give me a hand with this, right? And if you still want to be independent, all of a sudden your back reminds you that you're not. 
Some of you guys know what I'm talking about here, right there. So we are very independent in our nature sometimes, but God has called us to be interdependent, right? We need one another. And uh, this attitude's got to go, but it's, so that's one of the reasons some people leave. They're out of here. I want to do it the way I want to do it. So another reason some people run is because of a disappointment with people, and it leads to an anger with God. And this is a real thing. How many of you know in this life, sometimes people hurt other people? Come on, raise your hand if somebody has ever hurt you in this life, right? Put up both hands if you like really mean it, right? So it happens. Somebody did something, somebody said something. Let me just say, sometimes it's kind of frivolous, but sometimes it's something really painful. Sometimes it's a real deal. And people have left, they blame people, uh, blame God for the things that other people do. How many of you realize it wasn't God that hurt you? All right, God's not the one, and yet somehow God is the one that gets the, play, the blame. It's misplaced anger, and they decide that mean, hurtful person that I met at that church, they're representing God. That's true. I mean, I'm saying that, but it's a real. And listen, I hurt for people that run away because of that, because of what other people have done. So I want to read some of the, the, the testimonies. Like I said, you can word it, you can change the facts, but it's been repeated time and time again. Uh, here's one of them. When I was 16, my home church went through a church split. I was so disillusioned by the words and the actions of some of the people that I used to look up to. And I used that as an excuse to run from God. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Here's another one. Some serious stuff came up in my life, and one of, uh, one of which was my uncle, who was the godliest man that I knew. He failed miserably. And that, combined with a couple of other events, made me decide that God wasn't worth following. Another one said this, I basically put the blame on God because I was hurt. It wasn't necessarily intentional, but it slowly happened. I became bitter and little by little until I left altogether. Here's another one. Unfortunately, these things happen. I walked up behind a group of ladies in church talking. I heard someone say my name and I stopped. One lady said, oh, you know we love Lisa, but I would be very disappointed if my son was serious with someone like that. Another lady says, oh, I completely understand. And she says, at that point, I turned around and I left. They never knew I was there or heard their conversation. I never came back to church or any church for that matter. I called my friend and told her what happened, and she said, I told you how mean church people can be. Ouch. How many of you know, those are real deals that happen. Some people run not because of that, but simply because of poor relationship choices. They got people in their life that say, oh, yeah, you don't need that. Come and do this, and they pull you away. Here's the thing. The people you hang around with, they're either going to draw you closer to Jesus or they're going to draw you further apart. That's really the reality there. We have to be careful. This person right here says, I ran from God for several years. It was the darkest time in my life. Started in my senior year of high school and into my college years. I fell victim to peer pressure because I wanted to fit in. I did things everyone else was doing or I thought that they made me look cool. I convinced myself that my life was carefree when really I was depressed and spiraling out of control and using whatever I could to self-medicate my pain. 
I was in such denial and such a toxic relationship that only fueled me to do even more wrong. Listen, we have to be careful about the people that are in our life. That's why your parents are like, who is that friend you're hanging around with? It's not just because they're being mean, but they know our friends, we pull each other one way or the other. It's just the truth. Other people run because it's simply easier to run than it is to face the results of your own failure. Isn't that true? I don't want to hear, oh man, if I go back, they're going to say something. They're going to judge me. They're going to do all this. Listen, we put things on people that may not even ever happen because we're feeling that. They've messed up and they feel like, man, this isn't a place for me. So they fear that rejection. And listen, they flee before rejection even happens. True? All right. Next one. They have an addiction. Nobody's ever had that around here, right? So uh, what happens is someone else, something else has taken control and they're no longer. Here's what one person said. I ran from God when I was 14. I started drinking and using drugs. I dropped out of high school at the grade, uh, 10th grade. I got my first DUI when I was 18, my second at 20, and the last at 21. I was constantly in and out of jail and rehab facility. And at 21, I was on probation got with the wrong guy, started using meth for two years. How many of you know it's just a cycle? The addiction, I can't be around there. Still other people run out of habit. Uh, they were raised by, uh, to run by parents that run because they're afraid to get connected. Let me just say this, parents, nothing you do happens in a vacuum. Is that true? We follow. It, unfortunately, the way we live our life, it's a learned lifestyle. It's a learned behavior that happens. And uh, we had a family that, uh, that was at our church in Chico that they were there for one Sunday. I don't remember them. I couldn't even tell you what they looked like because they were there for one Sunday. And the kids came up to kids' church, and a pastor calling does like kids' bucks. If they memorize their Bible, if they uh, uh, are a verse, memorize, memorize the Bible. That's intense. Uh, <laughs> memorize a verse and bring their Bible. Anyway, uh, so they get to have coins, they get to have these bucks, and they can buy things. And the kids basically said, oh, I don't need that because we won't be back. We only go to every church. We never show up more than one time. So uh, guess what happens? It's just a learned cycle that goes on. And uh, this was one person's testimony. When I got old enough to decide if I wanted to go to church or not, I did the same thing my parents did. I found excuses not to go. I started drinking when I was a sophomore in high school and got worse when I graduated. I woke up in random places, unsure of how I got there. I would go to work hungover in some instances, still drunk. That behavior was modeled by my stepfather, so I thought, that's normal. Ouch, right? Some people simply run because they're lonely. And in this situation, they're not necessarily running from something. They think that they're running to something. Like we have in our mind, they imagine a life, man, if I do this, I'm going to have friends, I'm going to have fun. What they don't have seems to be better than what they currently do have. And it's like fantasy trumps the reality of life. I'm imagining something better. Regardless of the reason, it's just sad when people run. Isn't it? It's sad when people run. You know where it's headed. You can see where it's headed when they're doing that. You know the end result. And in Fred, in this story... He ran from his father, and we learn what happens when you run. So verse 13, it says this, A few days later, this younger son packed his bags, belongings, and he moved to a distant land. 
So I want to cover some of the consequences of running. Number one, when I run, I leave home. And you're like, duh, I know that. Obviously, you got to leave home. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But here's the thing. When you leave home, you're leaving more than just home. You're leaving the safety of home. You're leaving the safety of... When you run, basically what you do is you're taking yourself out of the hands of protection. Right? You're taking yourself out. And understand, it's not, it's not that God chooses to not protect you. It's simply you're choosing to move outside the boundaries that God has established in your life. Right? He's like, hey, listen, this is where it is. And we're going way over here. No, no, I got it. And yet we want to blame God when bad things happen. And, oh, God, why did I get you know, robbed on the road? Well, you weren't at home. You weren't where you were supposed to be. And so those things happen. We leave that safety of home. And secondly, when we run, we leave the security of home. What is that talking about? How many of you guys have been to another country? Anybody? Raise your hand. So look at all those hands there. You've been to another country. Listen, in my life, I've been to, I've been to the Philippines when I was young. I've uh, been to Haiti. That was, a, that was an interesting place. We went to El Salvador just a uh, couple months ago. We're going to go again. By the way, if you want to be on the El Salvador team for 2024, let us know uh, because we're beginning to build a team even now. When our daughter was a missionary in Prague, we went to, we've been to Prague. We went to Austria, Germany, all of those places. And listen, it was cool. It was interesting, but you never felt like you really belonged there. How many of you know what? It's like, man, I'm out of place. People talk funny. Uh, they have different customs that you're going through. The siren, how many of you realize the sirens don't even work right? Like on a police car? It's like, what in the world is that noise, you know? And you're like, that, they just, they're different when you get back here. So uh, it's just different. And you're, you're just kind of like, you don't feel real comfortable. You feel a little awkward. You kind of make your way through it. But let me tell you, when you finally get back to the United States, land on that airplane, it's like, ah, I'm home. I understand the noises. I understand the languages. I understand what's going on. That's kind of the security that you feel that you lose when you leave God's presence. You're out there. You don't have that protection. You don't have that security. And set, uh, number four, you don't have the blessings of home. That's what you end up losing. Listen, when your kids are young and live at home, how many of you know there's blessings that come from living at home? All right? Like our kids, they, there were blessings living in the William household. First of all, uh, my wife cooked amazing dinners. When you leave home, guess what? She's not going to your house to make your dinner there. They, had, they got to eat the meals. They didn't have to buy the food. They didn't have to, you know, when they were young, they didn't have to do their own laundry. They had, you know, all of the utilities were paid. How many of you remember? I didn't, when I was a kid, I didn't really realize how many utilities there were. I just, anybody else take it for granted? I can flip on the light. Man, I didn't pay nothing for that light. You know, I could go flush the toilet. I didn't pay anything for that water. Uh, all of those things were provided that, uh, that I didn't realize, and that's the truth, living at home. How about this one? Uh, anybody ever think about toilet paper? Not till the pandemic, right? All of a sudden, that's a big issue, right? But as a kid growing up, it's like, oh, we're out, and you just reach down and get another one, right? Uh, those things actually cost money. Cleaning products, all of that stuff, you know, we allowed our kids to, uh, to, to watch my TV in my living room, on my couch, breathing my air. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? 
And so all of that stuff is provided, all of those blessings when you're home. Listen, you would be foolish to let your younger or teenage children live by their rules and still enjoy the blessings of your home. Amen? Some of you guys got quiet on that right there. Listen, when you run from God, you run away from the blessings. And I want to say this, God wants to bless us. But he has already set up the parameters of what that looks like. He can't, actually, he won't bless you when you're walking against his will, when you're running against him. And so you choose to leave that. You leave home. Number five, you, uh, you leave the love of home. Now, don't get me wrong. How many of you know God still loves you even when you're running? The only problem is, is you don't feel it, right? When you're not home, you don't get to experience the love of God. Like, like I was just thinking, man, service, did y'all feel the, the presence of the Lord here this morning? Yeah. How many of you know if you're not here, you don't feel that, All right? You don't feel the love of God. You don't feel the presence of God because you're running away. And, and let me just say, over the years, like I said, 30 years of doing pastoral ministry, we've seen a lot of people that have left for whatever reason, but that doesn't mean we don't love them anymore. The only problem is, is they're not here to experience that. All right, and that's what you end up leaving is, is having that relationship with God and having that relationship with other people that is so valuable. Amen? Amen. So uh, when you leave home, you leave so much. And let me just say, just those things right there ought to be enough to make me not want to leave. I don't want to leave the safety. I don't want to leave the security. I don't want to leave the blessings. I don't want to leave the love. That should be enough, but unfortunately, it's not. I don't think a lot of people realize what the cost is until it's too late, right? Until they ran away. So those consequences, the longer you run, how many of you realize they just get bigger and bigger, right? They begin to build up. And as we look at this story, you're going to recognize this pattern. Maybe it's something that you've experienced or something that you know others are, but let's go back to verse 13 again. A few days later, this younger son packed all his bags, moved to a distant land, and there, what did he do? Wasted, Wasted all of his money on investments. No, on what? Wild living. Party. I want the party life. Isn't that when you're running, you just, man, I just want to party. That's going to be a good thing. That, I know that's not very smart, but really... This is part of a predictable pattern when people run from God. What they do, and uh, when I run from God, I just make bad decisions. Can anybody testify to that? When I run from God, I, make, I do stupid stuff. Like, why in the world? People that we've talked to that have come back to God, they're like, man, I don't know why in the world I did what I did. What was I thinking? And naturally the response is, you weren't, right? You weren't thinking with a rational mind. And uh, because that was not a part of the plan. That, that, that was a, that, but that is a part of the pattern that happens in our life. We, we run from God. We start making bad choices. And Fred, he spent everything that he had on wild living. We don't know how long it took him to run out of money, uh, but it probably wasn't long. How many of you know... Uh, easy come. Well, I don't think it's easy come, easy go. I think it's hard to come. Yeah, it's easy to go. All right. It's hard to build up finances and savings and all of that. But man, how many of you know we can spit it out in a heartbeat, especially making stupid decisions. So he ran out of money. Let me just say that that's number two. When you run, you lose. Everybody say I lose. Right. What do you lose? Not and maybe not the money. But money is definitely one of the issues. Maybe you lose family. 
Maybe you lose relationships with, with, with kids or moms and dads or brothers or sisters. Maybe many people have ran and they've lost their marriage. People have lost their jobs, careers, businesses, friendships. You definitely lose your innocence. You may lose your, your reputation over and over. You know, there's stories of what people have lost. And I was, I was reminded of uh, this little uh, meme from Willy Wonka, the original one. You get nothing, sir. You lose. Good day, sir. When you leave God, I know that may not fit, but I put it in there anyway. So, uh, sorry, my mind goes crazy sometimes. So, let, let's move on. He ran out of money, and uh, check it out. He ran out of money. That's already bad when you're broke, right? But then it says a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Like things weren't bad enough not having money. Now there's not any food around and he's beginning to starve. So that's number three. When you run from God, your plans are going to fail. Right? Your plan is guaranteed it's going to fail. Things are not going to turn out like you thought they were going to turn out. And he thought, I'm going to go away. I'm going to party. I'm going to have wild, oh man, I'm out of money. And things went from bad to worse, didn't they? Just when you don't think it could get any worse, how many of you know it can get worse? Right? Like, man, things can't get any worse than it is. Yes, it can. I'm just telling you, that yes, it can. And it went bad for him. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. In the past, you've gotten in a situation and you've wondered how in the world did this happen? How did that happen? Uh, but people that are on the outside looking in at your life, they're like, how could it not have happened? Right? I saw it already coming. You took off. You're running from God. What do you, you know, social media, we've seen people run from God, and man, they're partying, everything's great, but then all of a sudden, everything in their life sucks. Right? Man, I can't believe this, and I can't believe that. Well, I saw that coming. It, that's just the pattern that happens. Like, like I, if I pass the microphone around in this room to people that were former runners, how many of you know, many of you guys would say, hey, listen, it's not as good as it looks. Anybody testify? Uh, uh, it's not what I expected to happen. How many of you raise your hand if you were running and you say things weren't ex what I expected? That's just the reality, right? When you run from God, it's inevitable that your plans are going to fail. It's just a reality. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to look around like, man, being pregnant wasn't part of the plan. How did that happen? Being broke, I didn't count on that. Anybody ever count on being broke? Right? Nobody. Having a criminal record. Being addicted. That wasn't in the plan. Right? God, I had a plan. I, uh, I was just going to have fun. How did all of these things happen? Being alone and lonely, that's never a part of the plan. Nobody's like, oh yeah, you know what? I planned by the age of 36 to be alone and without a friend in the world. Nobody plans that, right? Nobody ever plans things that way. I have never met a person that says, you know what? I'm so glad that I ran from God because my life has turned out much better than I ever planned. You're not going to hear that, right? It doesn't happen like that. And uh, let me just, let me pull up my little extension cord. What we need to realize is that there is a connection between, let me pull this thing out. I just put this together this morning. There's a connection between your relationship with God in the things that you think about God, and I'm getting there, what is actually happening in your life right now? How many of you know they are not separate? Like where you are and where your relationship with God is, those are actually more connected than you realize. 
Like if things are going haywire and uh, everything's out of control and you don't know what's going on, there's a good chance that things are broken. And so how do I, how do I change these things that happen in my life? I've got to get connected back to him. And, and so many times we like, well, I'm figuring something else out. I've got another plan. I'm trying to do this one right here. It doesn't work that way. Fred, his plan leaving home, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be free. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have uh, friends. And all of his plans failed. Check out verse 15. He says this. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed pigs. All right, far from country. Far from security, far from the blessings of home, Fred got a new job feeding pigs. And for a Jewish man, that was not a good job, right? Pigs were detestable, and uh, he had to be embarrassed about that. So here's number four. When you run, you end up embarrassed and ashamed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, I never thought my life would get right here. I think sometimes shame is the biggest hurdle runners have to overcome to come back to him. Because we think, oh man, you know what? What are they going to think? Let me tell you, a true follower of Jesus will celebrate you coming home. Amen. Amen. Religious people may be like the Pharisees. Ah, yeah, they're scum. They're this. No, those that really follow Jesus will, fall, will welcome anybody home. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, that's part of what we do at Freedom Church. We welcome anybody. Right? I don't care how messy your life was. I don't care where you came from. Uh, there is a place at the cross for you. Amen? So verse 16, let's move on. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. And check it out. But no one gave him anything. Anybody ever experienced that? When things are good, man, i got friends all around, right? I've got the beers. Everybody shows up. But how many of you know when you're feeding pigs, all your fair-weather friends are gone? nobody's there for you. They're like, ah, yeah, you know what? That, you made your own bed. You get to lie in it. Many people have come to this place. Listen, I remember when uh, we pastored in Texas and there was an individual that was running, uh, struggling with addiction. He had lost his job, lost his wife, lost his kids, lost his home. He had nothing. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but He's, I asked him, I said, hey, listen, are you at the end of your rope yet? Are you ready to surrender to God? And, and he sat there and thought about it for a minute. He's like, no, I still have a few options. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what, I don't know what happened to him. We've lost contact with him. I hope somewhere he got to the point, the same place that Fred got at this point, when nobody gave nothing, when it says that he finally came to his senses. He finally came. What brought Fred to his senses? Do you realize it's the consequences of leaving home? Those consequences affected him. He looked around. I'm hungry. I'm alone. I'm broke. I'm wishing I can eat pig food. That's where he was at. And so my question for you today is, what does it take for you to come to your senses? What's it going to take? You know, you've got, some of you guys got family members. You've got friends that, that are running from God. What is it going to take for them to come to their senses? Let me read uh, verse 17 through 19. It says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food, uh, have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Then look what he did. He returned home to his father. 
Isn't that a good story? That's the story of the prodigal son. That's what Jesus was trying to convey to the Pharisees. Like, why are you eating with such scum? Because Jesus knew that some of that scum was returning back to him. Right? He saw value in every person, even though the religious leaders couldn't see value in them. And that's a powerful message for us to, uh, to take home. But I want to give you one more story that wasn't, uh, it wasn't in that book. Uh, if you happen to be on social media, I want to tell you the story uh, of a woman that's been going around. Some of you guys have seen that. I posted her baptism story uh, a few weeks ago. But her name is uh, Catherine... Let me say it right, Von Drakenberg. That's what her actual name is. She goes by the name Kat Von D. How many of you have seen some of that on social media? And uh, let me just say this. I never heard of her until last month. I, I, Pastor Colleen and I don't watch LA Inc. And uh, that's not on our show list there. So I never heard of her until I saw this baptism video. And, and so I started kind of looking into her story and, and what was going on. And about a year ago, she posted this uh, post on her Instagram account uh, uh, what you what the books that she had. Well, let me just kind of tell the story. Uh, she was getting rid of all of her occultic books, yoga books, meditation books, and you probably can't read the title of it, but the Sorcerer of Satan, uh, the Witch's Way, Satan's Circus. Anybody ever been in that circus before? It doesn't sound fun. Uh, <laughs> Let's see here, tarot cards that are here, the treasury of witchcraft, uh, anyway, Wicca for one. Anyway, those are, those are horrible books, right? And, and she decided to get rid of them, and what you probably can't read right there, I'm just going to read it for you. She goes, I don't know if any of you have gone through some changes in your life right now, but in the last few years, I have come to some pretty meaningful realizations, many of them revolving around the fact that I got a lot of things wrong in my past. How many of you know that's eyeballs opening up? That's her coming to her senses right there. She said, today I went through my entire library, threw out books that just don't align with who I am and who I want to be. I've always found beauty in the Maccabee, which is talking about death and things. She goes, but at this point, I just had to ask myself, what, in my relationship with this, uh, what is my relationship with this context? And the truth is, I just don't want to invite any of these things into our family's lives, even if it is disguised in beautiful covers. And then she makes some non-judgmental co uh, comments to people that are in it, but she says this, she closes, It's never been more clear to me that there is a spiritual battle taking place, and I want to surround myself and my family with love and light. Amen. How many of you know? I mean, that's powerful, right? Here's the thing, what happened in her life, because I listened to a podcast the other day that she was about an hour long. She became a Christian during the pandemic. All of a sudden, the lights came on, and, and listen, if you look her up, you're going to see some things like, oh man, she's a Christian. She's in the process of becoming more like him, like you and I are. Yeah. Right? Has anybody got it figured out all together? Right? We're still all in the process, so don't get on it and judge and say, oh, you're, are you really a Christian? Uh, she's in that process, and she got baptized a month ago, moved away, closed her shop that, you know, she was making a lot of money, all of that stuff, closed it, moved to, like, Indiana. Like, who moves to Indiana? <laughs> and uh, where's, where's Joshua at? He lived there for a while. Who moves to Indiana, right? 
People going to school and then they move away, right? She moved there, got connected with a small church. It wasn't like the big church with all of the bells and whistles. She goes, I just wanted to learn the Bible. Got connected there, got baptized. She's a part of the choir there now. I think, oh yeah, here's her baptism video. This is her. She sings in the choir every week there now. I mean, what would you do if you walked in and you saw, oh wow, look at their choir. All right, they're a little bit different, but she committed her life to the Lord. And here's the thing that, that I didn't realize until I listened to that, that podcast. Many people don't realize that Kat Von D was a runner. She ran from God. She ran from him. She was raised, she was born in Mexico to a Christian missionary couple from Argentina. They were actually there as missionaries, raised in a missionary's home. She spent six years in Mexico serving with her family. They moved to America. She said, I read the Bible twice when I was a kid. It didn't make sense to her, but as a teenager... She rejected God. She went, ran away from home, got into alcohol, became an alcoholic. Because she was good at art, she ended up somehow getting into tattoo art as an older teen, somehow landed a, a spot on uh, Miami Inc., I think it was, and then got her, her own show. Uh, but she said, throughout my life, I was searching for something. She went through Eastern religions, yoga, occult, transcendental meditation, and she goes, I came to realize that all of these things were just band-aids on a sinking ship. They helped me temporarily, but they were not anything that lasted. And uh, somewhere, that's when she came, uh, just like Fred, she came to her senses. And she came back to God. And God restored not just things in her life, but restored the relationship with her parents that had been fractured for so many years. This is her family. Uh, I don't know which one of these uh, is her. Uh, but one of them is. Uh, but God restored that relationship. This is her with her, her dad now. They have a, in the baptism video, there's somebody playing a trumpet, and she goes, that's my dad. And uh, what a wonderful thing. As a parent, what a wonderful thing, right? Here's a picture with her and her mom. And uh, God, is a, God is a God that restores. But can I say, when you come back home, how many of you know God restores the things the enemy and you have destroyed? Right? I may have, you know, we always say, don't burn the bridges, but how many of you know God knows how to rebuild bridges? Yeah. Amen? God is in that business and restoring. And I think at this point, we have to realize that no matter how far you've gone, no matter how long you've been away, can I tell you, friends, you can always come home. Because I can imagine that, that this girl's mom and dad probably thought, we'll never see her again. Right? It, she's too far gone. I mean, she's too caught up into this world and the occult and all of these different things. But I want to give you an encouragement. Whether you're far from God, whether you, you know, you may have one foot out the door, you're still here, but you're like, you're on the verge. Let me tell you, think about those consequences of what it's going to cost. It's going to cost you more than you realize. Uh, but I want to give hope, too, because some of you guys have family, friends, kids, grandkids that are running from God right now. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know how I will ever see them come back. I don't see it possible, but I want to tell you, it is possible. Nobody can be so far away. So let me, uh, let me finish. This is how the story ends. He returned home to his father. While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That's the kind of God we serve. And I wasn't going to do this. I've kind of been pondering it. But I, but I want to do this because I think it's an encouragement. If you've ever been a runner from God in your past, can I just have you stand up right where you are? 
you're back home with him now but you had a time in your life look around look around I'm going to get teary eyed right now (laughs) that's the kind of God we serve God, the God that returns us back to him the God that still has his arms open up ready for us to return I know that there's a story there's a story all across this room you got hurt, you got something, you got disenchanted, whatever. But I want to tell you, back home is the place God has called us. That's where you get to see the restoration of relationships. That's where you get that reconnection with the Father and His arms are open wide. So can I just have every one of us stand if you're here? Well, I, I hate saying that. You're here, of course. <laughs> but... uh I, I, I heard this song this week and asked Timothy to pray it or play it. <laughs> Maybe I need a drink of water. And uh, just allow the words to speak to you as, uh, as he's singing this song.